Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. My brother Luke and I were both adopted as infants, but before we were, we each spent about six months in foster care. And my parents and I and my brothers were sitting at our table and I was about five and my brother Luke was about six. And we had been renamed right when we were adopted as infants. And so one day my brother at the table, he says, hey, my name feels weird. And my parents just continue eating and I lean in and I'm like, yes, I know exactly what you mean. My name feels weird too. And Luke announces, I think everyone should be calling me Michael. And I say, I understand completely. I think everyone should be calling me Stephanie. And my mom and dad drop their forks and immediately begin talking in that high-pitched panic parent voice at the exact same time. Because apparently before we were adopted in that six months or so that we each spent in foster care, we, I was Stephanie and he was Michael, except no one had ever told us that up until that point. There was something within us that instinctively knew our name. And it's because there's power in a name. There's power in what a person is called. A name has power and a name carries weights and it carries authority. It has the power to create and to call into existence. So God, when he created the world, he could have created it any way he wanted, but instead he spoke and he called things into existence. Let there be light, let there be dry ground, let there be fish in the sea. And by speaking it, it came to pass. And when it came to the time, for God to create humanity, he bestowed upon us the same gift, a gift of creativity, a gift of power in our words, a gift of power to call things into existence. And so the Bible lets us know that there is life and death in the tongue, that there is the power of blessing and cursing in our very words. When I was a teenager and a kid, like a young adult growing up, I thought I was pretty smart. And I thought that I had always been pretty smart. And I thought that because my parents constantly told me from, from a young, young age, they said, Jail, you're, you're pretty smart. You're like the top of your class. You're really doing well in school. And so one day in adulthood, my mom gave me a stack of my report cards. And it was literally every report card all four quarters from kindergarten all the way up through high school. And I thought, this is awesome. I'm going to relive my genius years, you know, when things were easy. And so I flipped to the bottom of the pile, the first quarter of kindergarten. And I recognized based on my teacher's comments that I am below average. And the concern continues, report card after report card after report card, I am below average. And I'm, and I'm just mind blown by this because the truth is by the time I graduated high school and college, I was in the top of my class. And I asked my parents about it. And my dad said, well, we figured if we just kept calling you smart, maybe you'd become smart. 
There's, there's power in a word. There's power in what we call our children. There's power and authority in a name. And so my dad and my mom, they called me smart on a regular basis. And somehow I rose to that occasion as school actually went on. There is power in what you call someone. And friends, this morning, I want us to all recognize that there is a name that is above every other name. Philippians chapter two tells us this, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. The name of Jesus is above every other name. And friends, whatever's wrong with us, whatever's broken within us is not bigger than what's right and whole within Jesus. There is nothing that can be broken inside of us that Jesus does not possess the ability and the desire to bring into wholeness. So right here in the beginning of this sermon, I actually want to pause. And I want each of us to ask ourselves a question in the privacy of our own heart. What's the most broken thing in my life right now? What's the thing that's keeping me awake at night, stressing me out? The thing in my life that is not working right now? Name it. What is it? Name it. Because if you can name it, he's above it. So if you can say, what's wrong is my marriage right now. My marriage is struggling. Well, then Jesus can heal it. If you say my workplace is a disaster, then guess what? Jesus is above it. If you say it's my health, my body is failing, then guess what? Jesus is your healer. If you can name it, he's above it. It doesn't matter if it's addiction or shame or relationship trouble or heartache or pride or eating disorder. His name is above every other name. And there is so much power in the name of Jesus that if we can figure out what it is that we're struggling with, then we can recognize that our God can heal it, trumpet, fix it, whatever it needs done to it. There is power in the name of depression, but the name of Jesus is just greater. Sin has power. It has the power to destroy and to decay and to separate, but the name of Jesus is bigger. And I want to read this same verse in Philippians 2 in another translation. This one's the Passion Translation. And it says this, it says, he has been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every need to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name in the earthly realm, in the heavenly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I wanna take a look this morning at those three realms that was highlighted in that text, the three realms that have no authority over the name of Jesus. And the one we're gonna start with is the demonic realm realm. Because I think a lot of times people spend a lot of time wondering, worrying, stressing, or being fearful that a demon or a demonic realm can harm them or come against them. And well, yes, these things have power. The truth is that no demons, no devil, no plot 
of the evil one, no temptation, no sin, no thing can stand up to the name of Jesus. And the Bible makes that so clear in Romans 8, verse 38, it says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the past nor the future, nor any powers will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so I wanna tell us this morning that there is no plot of hell that can undo what Jesus has intentioned for your life. And so if you can grab hold of the name of Jesus, then the name of Jesus can defeat whatever is coming against you. There's no demon that makes Jesus stay awake at night worrying and wondering how he's gonna protect you or how he's gonna provide for you or how he's gonna shield you from an attack. There is no threat or rivalry between the demonic and the name of Jesus. The second realm is the earthly realm. So everything you and I can see, touch, taste, and feel somehow fits in to this earthly realm. And friends, the truth is that there's no scheme of man, no pursuit of popularity, no amount of money or fame or likes on Instagram, no celebrity, no fight with your kids, no disappointment, no dream vehicle, no sickness, no thing, and no one that can measure up to the name of Jesus. His name stands above all earthly realms. And I wanna go back to that same text in Romans 8, verse 38. And it says, additionally, it says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future nor any powers, neither the height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Do you realize that we have not encountered a single thing that doesn't fall into the realm of creation? Like nothing we can touch, taste, feel, sense, nothing we are encountering, enduring, fighting, doesn't fall into one of these three realms. And so God is saying, hey, wait a second, even though there may be power in the earthly realm, it doesn't even come close to the power that Jesus himself possesses in heavenly places. And that's the third realm the text highlights in Philippians 2. It says the demonic realm, the earthly realm, and the heavenly realm. And so there is no angel and no force of good, no ideal or concept that is above the name of Jesus. And the Bible actually tells us that right now Jesus is seated in heaven on a throne next to the Father. And I would think that he would be seated there with a footstool, kicked back a reclining throne of some kind with an angel fanning him with lemonade in a cup. And he would just be relaxing because after all, he deserves that, right? I mean, he endured the cross. He like did all these miracles. He's always there for us. So I would think that could be a reasonable posture for Jesus to assume in heaven. But that's not the posture he assumes according to the scripture. The Bible tells us us, that he's seated on a throne to the right hand of the Father to ever make intercession on our behalf. So after he did everything for us on the cross, he sat down on the throne to pray for us, to lean over to the Father and to plead on our behalf, not to condemn us, not to point a finger at us and be like, oh, did you see what they did, Father? I mean, they're messing up again. That's why I had to die on the cross. You know, he's not up there doing that. He's, he's up there interceding for us, 
Romans 8 again, verse 34 this time, it says, who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? He's praying for our triumph. He's there thinking, what do they need to succeed? What do they need to overcome this battle of temptation? What do they need to heal their marriage? What do they need? Whatever it is that they need to triumph, that's what Jesus is praying for us, cheering for us, rooting for us to get, to make the right choices about what matters in this life. I want us to read Philippians chapter one, verse 18. It says, but what does it matter? But what does it matter? And I think we would, be, we would do well in our life if we evaluated the things that are bothering us and asked ourselves, does it really matter? Because I find myself spending so much time stressing, thinking, rethinking, rethinking again, processing what actually in the end doesn't really matter. And I think as parents, if we're really honest, we can spend so much time and so much money driving our kids back and forth to practice and classes that in the end, if they become very good at it or excellent, it really doesn't matter. So we have to evaluate, we have to ask ourselves about the things that are going on in our lives. Let's put the verse back up. What does it matter? Because if we can be authentic about our answer to that question, so often we'll recognize it really doesn't matter as much as I'm getting worked up about it. It really doesn't matter to this level, but what does it matter? The important thing is, now the text does not have a blank. And I'm gonna tell you in a second what the apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, put in this blank. But before I reveal that answer, I want us to ask ourselves that very question. How do, how does, how do we answer that question? The important thing is, what do we put in the blank? Not what do we put in the blank when we're sitting in comfortable chairs here together at church on a Sunday morning at nine o'clock when we all know the right answer is Jesus, but like, what does our life put in the blank? What is how we make our day in, day out decisions put in the blank? If we really, the blank was filled in with how we really live, what would be in the blank? The important thing is that people like me. Many of us live our entire lives based on this. The important thing is that people like me. And so then if people like me, then I like me. And if people like me, then I'm happy. But if people don't like me, then I don't like me and I'm not happy. It's so important that we figure out what are we putting in the blank of this verse in our life. The important thing is, because if we put that people like me, then our joy and our happiness and our peace go up and down based on whether or not people are liking us. But if we put in that blank, the important thing is that God loves me, then people can like me or not like me. 
but I can still like me because I have an unconditional love of a heavenly father that never changes. If we put in that blank, the, the important thing is comfort. The important thing is my comfort. And that's what we put in this blank. Then, then all of a sudden when things are comfortable and easy and smooth and there's no conflict, then we can feel good about ourselves. We can feel peace and we can feel happiness. But the second those things are gone, then we're not happy. If we put in that blank, not the important thing is not comfort, but it's calling or it's purpose, then things can be messy and dirty. We can be in chains and in prison, but still find a way to praise. If we fill in that blank with the important thing is that my, my kids are happy, then if they're not happy and they're rarely always happy, then, um, then mama ain't happy. But if we say the important thing is that my, my children grow to know Christ, then we can recognize that when our children are going through a struggle on their own, that God is working within them, everything for their good. And that he's not gonna finish that and stop finishing that until the work is actually complete. And we can recognize that, that God is at work in the lives of our kids. Even if they're not happy, we can be happy because we know God is working something out. And so friends, I want us to be in a position where we're no longer concerned with comfort and popularity and personal preference, but where we come to a place in our life where we say above all else, I want to know him and I want to make him known. Or I want peace in my life, peace that the world didn't give and peace that the world can't take away. I need joy in my life, joy that the world didn't give and joy that the world doesn't take away because the important thing is, and whatever you put in that blank, your life will rise and fall with that thing. So if you say the important thing is that the people at work like me, then when the crazy girl in the cubicle next to you is being crazy, then you don't have peace for that workday. Even though you knew she was crazy on her first day, she had that crazy look in her eyes. But the important thing is you're liked, then you're not gonna have that peace that God wants you to have. So incidentally, this verse actually ends with the important thing is Christ and that his word is preached. That's how the apostle Paul ended that verse, not because it was convenient and, and spiritual sounding to complete the Bible verse that way, but because it was literally how he lived his life. Because we have to find something to put in that blank that we can really live out that we can really count on. And the only thing that I know of is the name of Jesus. And not only does knowing that and knowing that his name is greater and knowing that his name is stronger gives us the power to make the decision to live the life like the important thing is Christ. And Jesus' name causes all our enemies to bow. And Jesus gives us permission to name drop him to just use his name to gain access to the things we need in our life. Jesus says, hey guys, guys, my name is greater and my name is stronger and my name is more powerful. And you just, as my sons and daughters, you guys just go ahead and use it. That's pretty cool. My little brother, Chris, is the king of the name drop. 
He always knows how to get access to things. So one day, a couple summers ago, we were in Wisconsin and we were fishing and we were fishing and we weren't catching any fish. And it was really annoying, especially when uh, you have little kids with you. And we had like just worm guts all over our hands, but really almost no fish guts because nothing was catching. And it was so annoying. And Chris starts packing up all the tackle and he's thrown in the back of his SUV. And he's like, we're just going to go to one more spot. And my boys were like, no. And so they get in the car with grandma and they go home and I say, hey, Chris, let's just go to a restaurant and get some fish. It's already fried. It's already delicious. Like, why are we working so hard? But I get in the car because I didn't have my car. And so we drive in along and Chris turns off onto this gravel road. And just a few feet down the road is a giant gate across the road and it's got big chains locked in place and no trespassing signs. And then you look down the road and there's no trespassing signs everywhere. And so I say to myself, oh good, we can't fish here. This is gonna be perfect. Let's go home. And so I say, okay, well, oh well, let's go back to the cottage. And Chris says, oh no, I, don't worry, I know a guy. No kidding, he takes his SUV, he drives into the woods around the gated thing across the road, Bajas down and around, and then back onto the road. And I'm like, Chris, this is a horrible life choice. This is straight out of the movies. This is redneck stuff, man. Some guy is gonna jump out of the woods and he's gonna go crazy on us. It's gonna happen. And just as this is coming out of my mouth, sure enough, a crazy guy steps out of the woods. Let's just call him Uncle Jethro because that's about what it looked like. He's got flannel on in July. He's got full bib overalls strapped over and I am confident that he. He's about to pull a full-size shotgun out of those bibs and just go crazy on the SUV. So I start thinking, what should I do in this life or death situation? And so I slouch down in my chair and Chris rolls down the window and leans his head out the window. And he says, hey man, I'm not sure if I'm in the right place or not. <laughs> and the crazy guy, crazy guy goes, well, you're not in the right place, I'll tell you that much. And he just spits like a giant pile of chew out the side of his mouth. And I'm like, I've got to get out of the car. I got to go say something important like, hey, I apologize. My brother's not all there. I'm a pastor. Please don't shoot us. Um, but Chris, he, he just is like, hey, but um, I'm not sure if we're in the right place, but um, uh, my buddy Max Kissinger said, if I ever needed a fishing spot, just come on down this road and, and drive around the gate. And so that's what I did. Yeah, Max, Max Kissinger. And the redneck guy, he goes, oh, well, if Max sent you, come on in. Apparently Kiss Lake, Kissinger family, Max Kissinger. And so we go fishing. <laughs> Name drop right? The power of a name drop. And when a name possesses the authority to do something, then all of a sudden there is no gate that can be locked before you. So when Jesus says, hey, sons, daughters, use my name to gain access, then there's nothing that can gate you out of what Jesus wants you to get into. John 14, 13, Jesus is speaking and he says, for I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. 
Jesus tells us to use his name because he knows it's powerful, because he knows it changes everything. And he knows that at the sound of the name of Jesus, that demons scatter and strongholds fall and broken parts are restored and hearts are healed. And so because of all that, Jesus says, hey, use my name to get access to whatever it is that you're in need of. And friends, I don't know. I don't know what prison you feel like you're in right now. And I don't know what chains you feel like you might be wearing this morning, but I do know that Jesus is greater and Jesus is higher and Jesus is stronger. And whatever prison is holding you, those doors can't keep you and those chains can't trap you at the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 16 records an event that happened in the life of the apostle Paul. And the apostle Paul and his sidekick Silas had been preaching the name of Jesus all around for quite some time at this point. And Paul was getting up there in age and suddenly the crowd turned on him and Paul and Silas were arrested. And the judge ordered them stripped naked and beaten with metal rods. And then put in chains and brought into prison. And when Paul and Silas were presented to the head jailer, this guy was freaked out. He, he had heard stories already in his day of Jesus followers escaping miraculously from prison with no explanation. And he was afraid that if Paul escaped from prison in this situation, he was afraid that it would be on his head. And so Paul was locked with these chains and brought to the innermost place of the prison and secured with stocks on his legs and chains around his body and chains on his hands. Now remember this occurred after he had taken the significant beating and there he is in the prison at midnight and he begins to do apparently what you do in a prison at midnight is he begins to call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And maybe at first it was just, just the cry of his heart, just the muttering. Jesus. Maybe because it was all he had to give in that moment was utter the name. Jesus. In this position, his back is covered with welts and bruises. The skin's ripped and exposed, and he's surrounded rats Jesus. and feces and other prisoners. You make the darkness tremble. But the Bible tells us that he begins to praise. Jesus, because your name is a light that no shadow can't deny. Your name will not be overcome. And maybe Paul was able to do this because he didn't care what people thought of him anymore. He knew, and the challenge to us is to live not for popularity, but for purpose and refuse to need people to validate us because here's the truth, it doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what they say. They don't have a heaven to put us in and they don't have a hell to send us to and they don't have a crown to crown us with and they don't have anything to give us and they can't validate us and they can't complete Jesus. us. Jesus. 
You make the darkness tremble. The Apostle Paul got that. And so he begins to praise. And as time goes on, he becomes a little more passionate. And he's able to put a little bit more into it. And he's gaining a little bit of strength. Silence, fear. Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Finally, he's singing over his pain, over his disappointment, over his chains, and he's lifting up the name of Jesus. Your name is a light forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Now the Bible never tells us how long he did that. Maybe it was a few minutes, maybe it was a few hours. We don't know, all we know is that suddenly, that suddenly, and maybe it was Jesus and he's seated on the throne and he puts down his lemonade Jesus, and he leans forward Jesus, and he parts the clouds and he looks down over Jerusalem and he sees Paul in prison for his namesake. Jesus, and he says, you know what? You're not gonna be in chains in for my sake Jesus, when you're lifting up my name. And so suddenly the Bible tells us the earth began to quake and the, sh- the chains the began to shake. Tremble, Jesus. And suddenly Paul was released from the chains. Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.